welcome to Taking the Middle Seat, a podcast where we explore connection where you might not think it exists. I'm your host, Andrea, and I've always believed there is connection to be made when you sit next to someone and really take in their story. So every couple of weeks or so, I'm taking the middle seat. I'm listening in on someone's story because I know that the middle seat holds healing and acceptance and laughter and community if we just stay open and remember that we belong to each other. I hope you listen into each and every episode and that you'll find yourself moving in to hear the magic in the middle seat. On this episode, episode 41, I'm talking to Erin Ising. She is a mom, adventure seeker, therapist, and compassionate entrepreneur. We connected initially through work, um, the type of work we do, but since then I have loved getting to know all of the different aspects of Erin. She talks about her work in our conversation, um, her work with Trades of Hope, which is an accessory and gift company that empowers women-owned artisan businesses around the world. And I love these types of companies. So if you've ever, if you've never heard of fair trade goods or you're intrigued about how and why Erin runs her business with Trades of Hope, stay tuned. We talk all about it. She's also a therapist who loves to work with children and parents and especially teens. You guys, everyone needs therapy and that includes your spicy teenager. I am certain Erin is a rock star in the therapy room, both with connecting to the kiddos and by empowering parents. If you thought that was it about Erin, nope. She also sits on the board of Derek's Place, an organization that we all learned about in episode 36 from my friend Teresa Atkinson. We talked about a very cool upcoming event that Derek's Place is having having this weekend for families. It's a fundraiser, so make sure you check out the show notes and go to the event, you guys. Toward the end of our conversation, we talk about how Erin moves through the world with cerebral palsy. She talks about some of her pet peeves with regard to that, the spaces where she encounters the most challenging attitudes from others. She delivers the truth, and I love her perspective. Erin is wise and bubbly and transparent and rad, and I loved my chat with her. You may hear some fan noise in the background, some three-year-old son Riley noise who's adorable, but you know, three being three is hard, and some other little noises here and there in the interview. We talked right in the middle of Erin's real life, and honestly, that's exactly how I like to connect, and I know you'll appreciate that too. Don't forget the show notes to connect with Erin, to shop Trades of Hope, seek her out for therapy, and for her general awesomeness. I mean, come on, you guys, you're going to hear it. All right, let's get to it. My conversation with Erin Ising. So Erin, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you for having me on the podcast. I love talking to people. I even love talking to people more when we're in their space, which we are today, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Um, so thanks for having me. And I think we're going to have a good conversation. I know we will. We always have good conversations. We do. Right? Yes. So we have a lot of things to talk about because you said you were mildly interesting or maybe moderately interesting, but I think you're incredibly interesting. Oh, thank you. So let's start with your work with an organization that I actually don't know a lot about, um, so you can fill in all the details. All right. Trades of Hope. Okay. So Trades of Hope is a uh, fair trade accessory 
um, company that we, we have lots of things more than just jewelry. We have jewelry and scarves and purses and we have stuff for men and kids too. So we have wallets and hats and like, you know, manly gifts too. Uh -huh. And they have like a kid section. So they have like adorable puppets and all kinds of kids fun things like little stuffed animals that are adorable. Um, but it's a fair trade company that works with women primarily in 17 different countries okay. and here in the United States who have all been empowered or rescued out of poverty or human trafficking. Okay. So the way that Trades of Hope is different than like you might have heard of some other companies giving like percentages back to the person who made it. So we don't, we don't operate like that because we work with 17 different countries and 17 different economies. The women who are making the products tell us what they need to make the product and, and have a sustainable future for their families and our crews on the ground give them that rate. So it looks different in each country what, what a woman needs to sustainably make a product and support her family. So it's, it's different for each of the women that we work with in a different country. So the cool part of that is they get 100% of their asking Price, and then it's sustainable for them and what that money does for them then when they when they make the product it's not a charity it's not putting a band-aid over a problem it's I'm gonna make this product I'm gonna put my effort my heart and soul into this and then I'm gonna be able to provide for my family yeah I'm gonna be able to put food on the table I'm gonna send my child to school I'm gonna build bridges and ways out of poverty and some instead of someone giving me charity which is amazing yeah. and then they also have Every woman that joins on the Trades of Hope to be in our, one of our artisan partners, they give them nutrition classes and they give them um, home ownership classes and financial management. And so it's like looking at the whole person yeah. and then like helping them have like sustainable life skills to help them for the rest of their lives, not just like one time, here's some charity. Yeah. Um, so it really like... Obviously, I could talk about it for hours because I'm just really passionate about what they do and how they work. Um, and right now, shameless plug because you know why not? Yes. There's like yes. a, there's a 40% off summer sale on my website, which I know you will link to later. Yes. Um, but the cool thing about our sales is it doesn't impact the person who made the product. So what that means is that they still get 100% of their asking price, and it doesn't affect what the person who made it will get. Um, mm -hmm. The company is able to do the discounted sales without affecting the artisan because they just they just take the, the loss on, on the, the price. Mm -hmm. So it never affects the person who made it. When does that sale run? Um, it's running right now, and I believe it's through um, the middle of this month. So like, I think the 20th or 21st. Okay. So, um, I don't know if you, need, if you want my website now or it later. I will link it in the show notes. Everything okay. that you are doing in the sale and all the good stuff so people can things. go there yes. and shop till their little heart's content. Right. And I love companies that are built in this way um, because it's huge to... Um, I think people think that like charity is better, right. nonprofit is better because mm -hmm. it feels more selfless or whatever. But actually, empowering... Women, it's yeah. all women, right? The artisans are all women. Um, we work with a few that are men, but okay. it's mostly women. And the reason yeah. that we focus on women is because statistically, if you look at like poverty around the world, like um, you know, about seventy-five percent of of people in poverty around the world are women. Mm -hmm. And so, and also, when you look at when you look at cultures and women in 
other countries especially, like, oftentimes you have few women taking care of, like, a whole village. Like, we work with women who are AIDS survivors, and they're, they're caring for a village of children who are AIDS orphans. And so when you empower that one woman, you're empowering her to take care of a whole village. Yeah. So statistically, when you empower one woman out of poverty, you're, she's taking two to three or more women with her. Yes. So it really is like this, it's this ripple effect, you know? Yeah. Like, um, the, you know, the, the saying is like, together or alone we can do not much, but together we can create many, many ripples. And yeah. that's kind of the philosophy behind the, the founders of the company is like, let's do a rippling effect, not yeah. just like one thing. So. Yeah, and it creates generational wealth change. too. Yeah, generational change because she's gonna put her kids through school. Those educated Which, kids are gonna uh, go on to right, or do they're, things. they're not gonna be in poverty, and they're gonna have you know the the future, which is yeah. amazing. So, yes. and they're also really big into, like I said, like so when my business succeeds, like her business succeeds. So, yeah. you know, I'm I'm not really in it for like profit or money, but like it, the better that my business does that if, if I can empower you to like shop for your trade and buy something that helps someone like that really does help her business across the world and so yeah. um, they're also beginning to like empowering the future generation of women in the United States so they have something called the Sparks program so if you are if you are what's called a compassionate entrepreneur which is what I do which is selling it and like the website and I have like home parties or Facebook parties or whatever so if you're interested in that you can look at my Facebook page but is also if you have a little girl or a little boy and you want to teach your child like business skills you want to teach them um, about helping other people you want to teach them how to save money and so it's this program called the Sparks program so they also want to like empower future generations here to learn to learn about that and how to be philanthropic that's so, very cool I yeah. didn't know that know that aspect of it either that's awesome mm-hmm. um, and the stuff is cute, which I think is so important. Right. Because I know when I, I worked with a similar company years ago, probably five or six years ago, and even that recent, um, like the, the actual products being well-made and kind of palatable to an American yeah. aesthetic really, was not yeah. happening. Like it was all like looked kind of hippy-dippy trippy. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just like it wasn't everyone's taste. But now the stuff is cool, and there's stuff for like that absolutely everyone. Yeah, would and love. they stay on point with like our trends. Like they have marketing directors that look at current fashion trends, and that's how they try to model each of the things. And so when somebody sees some of my jewelry, they're like, "Oh, that's cute. I saw something like that in the store." And you will, you'll see like the products. You're like, "Oh, I just saw that at my favorite store for fifty dollars more." And oh, it's yeah. not empowering someone. So let me get this from right. you instead, right? Yes. Yes. So. That's the, that's also the cool thing about it. Um, you mentioned like, you know, it is empowerment and not charity. They also have a program though that they do every year called Gifts of Hope, and 10% of their net profits from the entire company go to do something in a particular community that they pick ahead of time. So this past year they did, um, they dug a water well for um, people in India that will provide continual water for like generations for over 500 people so every year they take another like they take on another product that's like or project from like 10% of their profits and do something else you know so they're really their whole focus is 
the person making the product, like, and how yeah. how that really helps them, how that really goes back to them, and that's why, you know, I've I've looked into like, like you said, selling other. It's not just about selling products to me. It's yeah. whose life is it changing on the other side of the world, and how is that woman or that person being able to find a sustainable way out of poverty? Yeah. And I think people can get a little partied out, like home party, blah, blah, blah. But I yeah, yeah. love, when I used to do it, um, I loved it. It was never, it was an, a chance, especially if it's a company like this. You learn a ton. You go to the little event. You learn about all these women's lives and this cool company. Exactly. And you get some cute stuff. And people really resonate with it. So mm -hmm. I want, like, listeners to not be afraid of, like, oh, my gosh, it's a home party. It's yeah, fine. It's go get over your little hang-ups about it and exactly. go buy some cute stuff. Because it's not your typical home party, yeah. like, pyramid scheme -y. It's not anything right. like that. It's, no. like, you're really helping someone and changing their life. And yeah. so we should just get one scheduled for you for you. Should. You know, gotta get it on the books. Yeah, no summer, everyone like flies to the hills. I know, I, like, I'm more focusing on like that in, in the fall because everybody's super busy in the summer. Yeah, and what do you want? You know, so so in the fall is a good time because, yeah, you know, you got Thanksgiving and lots to be thankful for. And yeah, yeah, yes. So. so, not only do you do the Trades of Hope stuff, mm -hmm. which is awesome, you're also a therapist. Yes, yes. I have my master's in social work from. Western Michigan University and I've been in the field for 10 years or so around like dating myself here um, <laughs> but my my area of specialty that I love is children and adolescents and I'm one of the weird ones that like the more difficult the child or adolescent I'm like yay that's more fun that's like yeah. a, that's like a, you know like bring on the difficult like ones that give you attitude so if you got any bratty teenagers and you keep threatening them to take them to a counselor, then I'm your girl because that's my that's my bread and butter. That's what I like. So, yeah. and we'll um, link to your therapy practice. Um, and yes. you do one-on-one -on -one therapy with mm -hmm. you and the child. And the child, and also I work with parents too because what a lot of people don't realize is that you know parents parents need support if their children are going through a hard time, like. That's just as hard, if not harder, for the parent as it is for the child going through a difficult time. So I like to come along with parents and be like, it's going to be okay. You're doing a good job. You're going to get through this. Your child is going to get through this. They're going to be a well-adjusted human. Just take a deep breath. We can we can do this together. And yeah. that's, that's like a big part of my approach is that it's not just like, you know, you hear from like people who don't, don't understand or don't work with children enough. Like, well, it's, it must be the parent doing something wrong. It's got to be the parent's fault. Like, 99.9% of the time, it's it's not. And like, you just they just need someone to come and support them and come alongside of them. And and that's what I like to do. And that's you know a foundation of my practice. I um, work with um, Counseling Center of West Michigan um, and do um, private practice there. So. Um, and I know I um, have a couple friends that have recently gotten their teenage kids into therapy of mm -hmm. some kind, and they are all like, why didn't we do this mm -hmm. six months ago, a year ago, whatever, right. and it was totally for that reason, because the, the therapist can't give them the details of what they necessarily talk about with the kid in therapy, right. but they can tell the parents, like you were saying, 
So just normalize the experience. Like, yes, yes it's hard, it's and it's hard. supposed to be hard. And it's going to, you know, it's, it's it might take a little bit, but it's going to get better. So like, yeah. so you know, and also, you know, even if the if the therapist can't tell you a whole lot, we can give you general guidelines, and we can give you general general information while still respecting your teens privacy but it really should be kind of like I feel like a team approach so yeah. and I think too you know I also like to do um, within my parent practice I do some like parenting classes I'm a big proponent of love and logic and so there's that that kind of that educational piece that if you're like I really want them to learn about that or like that that interests me because people think well love and logic isn't that with toddlers no that really should carry on through through uh, until you're until they're 18 or whatever, it's just a matter of like what way you're choosing to parent. Yeah. So, and you know, I think sometimes counselors can act like, oh, I'm an expert. I'm the expert, and you're the you're the parent or whatever. And like, I kind of disagree with that. It's like you know, we're gonna work on this together, and, and I may have like yes, some more knowledge or whatever, but it doesn't mean that you're any less or anything like that. I think yeah. a lot of people are afraid to get counseling for their children because they feel like they're going to be judged as a parent, and mm -hmm. I, I just poo-poo on that. Like, I, I think that's not, it's hard, like you said, it's hard enough without that piece being in there. Yeah. And if people have no idea what Love & Logic is, is there, like, a short explanation that you can give? Yeah. So, Love & Logic is kind of like teaching your children, um... The, you know consequences to their actions um, and logical consequences like an example would be so you tell your children uh, if they want to ride their bike they have to wear their helmet so like a love and logic consequence or a parenting way of doing that is if if they don't wear their helmet they don't ride their bike like um, and that's just kind of may seem really simple but there's lots of things like that that, that you kind of do like or if your child won't eat their dinner instead of having a all-out knockdown drag-out battle where everybody's frustrated and everybody's in tears okay you don't eat your dinner but you go to bed hungry so then your child is like it's bedtime and they say mommy I'm hungry you say, well, I'm sorry I hear that you're hungry but you chose not to eat your dinner and that's the consequence of not eating your dinner is you go to bed with a hungry tummy and some people might be like oh my gosh that's so mean okay you can say that but it's also just like it might feel mean at first but you're teaching your child the logical consequences of what happens in life and then teaching them that they can make their own choices in life so that you have an 18 year old who's somewhat capable of making their own choices and understanding consequences yeah and so. yeah taking that long view of like right now this feels like a really hard half hour or yes. hour or day yes but we're trying to form individuals who are going to be successful grown-up adults yeah yes. and able to yes. make their own choices without every five seconds mom what should i do well you're, yeah. you're teaching them now so that they feel capable and competent as an adult yeah so i love that also um and you it's hard to whittle down to one thing but if you're working with teens because i think this is kind of where i swim right now all of my friends are raising teens and yeah. i have a teenager um is there something that you see that just drives you bonkers that parents do or things that like one thing that you would tell parents like keep doing that or yeah. this is like the sort of the key with teenagers i think 
it's it's really the key for for all children, and I know it's easier said than done. And I, you know, I you hear you hear my toddler in the background a little bit, <laughs> but I think the key, obviously, of all children is for one that they, they know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you love them. Mm-hmm. And like I am a big believer that like there's no such thing as like like telling your child there's a, such a thing as coddling your child but there's no such thing as telling them you love them too much yeah so I love tell that. them tell them you love them every day until they're like mom I, yes. I'm done you know like and and but even then tell them anyway even if they're out of earshot because like there's no such thing as telling your children too much that you love them yes that's oh, not coddling that. that's not coddling that's just making sure that they feel secure and loved yeah um and then I think also so keep doing that and then I think also, like, consistency is so huge. Consistency is huge whether you have a one-year-old or whether you have an 18-year-old. So mean what you say and say what you mean and, and stick to that. So, like, I think it's a pet peeve of mine when, when a parent says, okay, if you don't, I'll use the teenager example, if you don't clean your room by the end of the day, then you don't get to go out with your friends and you're not getting the car keys. Well, so the end of the day comes and... Bobby hasn't cleaned his room, and you know Johnny's like, "Please, can I have the car keys?" But everybody's going, and everybody, but and I have to go because otherwise everybody will mock me, and I won't be. And it goes on and on. <laughs> and the parents like, "Okay, here, yeah, okay." That that's a pet peeve of mine. What you've taught your child is, okay, you don't have to do what I ask you, and if you if you whine enough, if you wheedle enough, then you'll get what you want. And that's not what the world. That's not how the world works. So you're not teaching your child how the world works. Because if your child, as an adult, goes into his boss and says, I'm sorry, I didn't meet that deadline. Can I please have an extension? Pretty, pretty, please. Yeah. It's not going to go very well, is it? No, that's not going to go over. Yeah, so, I love that. I Consistency. That sense, but yeah. And tell them you love them, even if they roll their eyes. Yeah. Right. And even if they're like, oh, yeah. stop it. Mom. Yes. Say it anyways. <laughs> I love that. Um, anything else you want to say about therapy? I know that we could talk for um, since we are of similar backgrounds, we could yes, talk for three hours about therapy, right, but yes. um, anything we're missing? I would say, like, I think there's still a really huge stereotype or stigma around therapy, like, and sometimes the hardest part is taking that first step, but just, just yeah. do it and just, you know, know that you'll, you'll be glad, hopefully glad that you'll did, you did and hopefully have a really positive experience and that it's not, I mean, maybe people have like an antiquated or older view of it. It's not quite like it used to be where, you know, you're laying down on the couch and telling telling somebody your, your deepest, darkest problems or whatever. It really should feel more like a welcoming conversation in someone's living room. Yes. And that's the environment that I strive to, yeah. like, just like we're hanging out in my living room because my yeah. office looks more like a living room. Yeah. So, you know, just try not to have some of those maybe antiquated stereotypes in your mind and just try it and it really does I think everyone can benefit from therapy honestly 100% I think the therapist should be the first people to like go to therapy themselves I do myself I'll mm-hmm. say that and because I think that you have to be willing to sit on the other side of the chair otherwise it makes you a hypocrite and yeah. that's not anything I want to be so just um, just know that that there's no shame in that mm-hmm. I love it so, um, there is also so like on to the next thing that you do. Um, the list is keeps going on. Right? Um, you are on a board yes. of a local organization of um, 
it, if anyone listened to, I don't remember the number of the episode, I'll link to it in the show notes, but um, we've mentioned this organization before, but you sit on the board and they have an event coming up. So yes. talk about that. So I am on the board of um, Derek's Place, a recovery cafe. And I, like you said, the earlier episode, you interviewed the president and founder, um, Teresa Atkinson. And if you want a refresher about Derek's Place, it's going to be um, a cafe kind of environment where people who are um, going through recovery of like alcohol addiction or drug addiction or really any type of addiction can get um, two meals a day and can get peer support, um, therapy, hopefully links to some employment places. And just the biggest thing that we're starting for is just unconditional love, positive regard, and support. Um, because so many people that, in you know, not, try not to go on too much of a soapbox about this, but our mental health system, especially for addiction and recovery, is a very, very broken system. Mm-hmm. And you probably can attest to that too, Andrea. Mm-hmm. But what happens is somebody says, okay, I want to get, I want to get clean from my addiction. I want to get free from, from whatever it is. And so they go into a rehab program. And they're like, okay, this is great. And they're in the rehab program sometimes as little as like a few days. Yeah. Okay, so they're physically detoxed from whatever substance they are trying to get clean from. Then they're just kind of like dropped off back into the world. And like everywhere they go is a trigger for them because they can't hang out with the people they used to hang out with because they're doing the substance they're trying to get clean from. They can't go to the places they used to go because that's, that's also a trigger. They don't have a job because they haven't held a job because the... Their primary like uh, mindset has been about drugs or alcohol, so that's mm-hmm. been what they're trying to do. So they don't know how to hold a job. Oftentimes they may be homeless. They don't have an address to even apply for a job, and they have nowhere to start. So they feel already they've just gotten out of rehab. They're excited to be clean, but already they feel like burdened by 50 things. Like how am I ever going to do this? It's just easier to drink, or it's easier to do drugs, or whatever it is. Yeah. Because there's no support. Yeah. So there's rehab and there's no support. And so then you end up with this roller coaster cycle of I'm gonna go and rehab, I'm gonna get clean, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna use again mm-hmm. because it's easier than all these barriers that I have. Mm-hmm. And then you go up and down and it's like an endless cycle. Yep. And and either they don't get clean or, or sadly like Teresa's son, their addiction kills them. Yeah. Um, which is what we wanna prevent. So we wanna come in and say, Okay, you just got out of rehab or you want to go to rehab, like, let's get you connected and here's here's a mentor, here's here's support, here's resources. And I know that AA does a fairly good job of having, and, there, and it's like NA, and I'm not mocking places like that. That is available, like, mm-hmm. but that's not enough. Yeah. And they're few and far between, and there's way more people that need the help than there are, like, mentors available. Yeah. And so, you know, just kind of bridging that gap. Yeah, we love it. And I, um, Teresa's interview was one of my absolute favorites, um, and because she just was so vulnerable. So please go listen to that story, and then get inspired to support Derek's place. Yes. Um, and so our next event that we have coming up is um, this Saturday, July thirteenth. It's going to be at Sherman Street Christian Reformed Church, and it's going to be like a family fun event. There'll be like photo booths, and there'll be face painting, and there'll be things for kids but there'll be a taco bar and I think it's um, $15 uh, for adults for a plate and for the whole entertainment thing and all the proceeds will go to Derek's place. Very cool. I love it. So. Um, 
So having said those 18 things that you do, and we have not covered the whole list. You're also a mom, and you, I'm sure you wear 14 other hats, as most women do in the world. Right. Um, you also present physically different in the world. Um, and the reason I kind of left that to the end is because I think when people meet you, if they didn't speak to you, mm -hmm. they might limit you and go, oh, like, I wonder, oh, she, it must be hard to be Good for her. her. Good for her for getting out of the house. That's right. Oh. <laughs> she gets a she's gold star. Yes. She's a hero or whatever. Uh -huh. um, and I am certain, having known you just a little bit, that that is not necessarily how you'd like to be perceived. No, um, definitely not. So... Share what you want about what how you f present physically in the world and how whatever you want to say about that. So I have a physical disability that I've had since birth, mm -hmm. cerebral palsy, and um, you know, so I don't. It's like I don't know any different. Like I don't yeah. know what I'm missing because I don't know any different. Right? Mm -hmm. um, and I think you know the most frustrating thing when you have a physical disability is that's the first thing people see. Mm -hmm. we, I, the older I get, I'm getting getting up there. I feel like. But, um, <laughs> That the more I see that, like, I feel like everyone on planet Earth has some sort of disability. Some are just more visible than others. Yes. Because none of us come out of a perfect mold, right? Yeah. We all have our struggles and we all have our things. And so I think it would just be the same as, like, everybody. Just, like, to see the person first. And, like, you know, I would, I was telling you earlier, you know, people are like, don't sit, don't say anything about that because that's rude and shh, you know. There's this kind of this hush-hush, like, don't be rude thing, and I'm, I'm not saying don't don't teach your children or people to, to be rude, but I would rather somebody come up and have their child ask me or ask me themselves, like, so why, what is the reason you walk with crutches, or what is the reason you're in a wheelchair, and I'd gladly tell you, because yeah. I see that as a teachable moment, not only for children, but for just, for just people, like, mm -hmm. you know, we don't want to be, like, hushed and pushed to the side and, like, don't look, don't stare, like, Okay, well, just come up and ask, and be be open and honest with what what question you're having, or um, and you know I think it's true for everybody. Like, don't make assumptions. Um, I one of my favorite activities to do is skydiving. One of my other favorite activities to do is whitewater rafting, and I'm I'm horseback ride in the rainforest. So like, you know, most all of those things sound terrible to me. But all okay, things are really you do you. Know that. So yeah. Just don't assume that because someone has, you know, something different about them or a disability, or even if it's a cognitive disability, don't assume they can't do something. Yes. Just, just ask them. Yeah. Um. You know, and that's really like the most like kind, appropriate thing I feel like you can do. You know, mm -hmm. it's just, just like be open and honest in communication, rather than like point and hush, hush someone away. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. And I, what I've noticed about just in our interaction is you'll ask if you need something, you'll ask. Absolutely. And you are probably very used to mm -hmm. asking for help, asking for whatever. Um, so it's not like people have to be like, I wonder if she needs, and like right. kind of tiptoe around. Mm -hmm. and yeah, it's you'll actually be more like, of a pet peeve if people, like, if people tiptoe around. Like, I'm a blunt person, yeah. and I'm a very, like, I'm a very open, boisterous person, and so... Yeah, like you said, if I need help, I'll ask for it. If I need anything, I'll ask for it. But I want the same in return. If you yes. if you are wondering about something or if you have a question for me or, you know, even tell the, the people that I work with, the clients that I work with, like, just ask me. If I don't want to tell you, I'll say, like, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to discuss that with you right now. Yeah. But, like, I still will let you know that, you know. Yeah. 
Um, and that could be, that may have something to do with my disability, that, that might also just be my personality. Right. You know, yeah. I'm not saying, like, you can't blanket statement, like, all people with disabilities feel this way, but for the most part, in the communities that I'm in, that's the general consensus, is yeah. that, you know, we'd rather have you talk, you know, just ask your questions rather than making assumptions that aren't true. Yeah, I love that. So, um... I feel like it's, not an asset is the wrong word, but I, and tell me if I'm wrong, that kids, too, if you're seeing kids in therapy, they're probably like, either it's not a big deal, mm -hmm. or they just ask what they want to ask. They, they don't have yeah, all those, like, weird get, things that adults exactly, put on top they don't, of it. Exactly. They don't have, like, all the, like, trying to be politically correct and trying to, yeah. like, kids just blurt out the first thing that comes right. out of their mouth, and I kind of <laughs> love that. Yes. That's one of the reasons I love working with kids, yeah. because... They are unfiltered, but a lot of times the unfiltered makes them untainted yeah. and makes them able to be moldable and like and like really, you know, get get to know them and 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 then able to like make a difference in their lives. But they haven't had all the junk that we put on uh, people to, to to perform this way, to say it this way, to be politically correct. And like we're I'm 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 all about you know like not offending people but I think we sometimes go so far to that way that like we miss the opportunity to just get to know someone yeah and yeah. that's really that's really a tragedy in my mind yeah for because sure. you're so afraid of like offending someone that you just miss that opportunity yeah that you could just have a conversation that's not offensive yeah you know absolutely so well, I appreciate you talking about it because I didn't yeah. want to, as I've told you, I didn't want to like center that as the whole thing of our conversation because mm -hmm. I'm sure it's not 100% of you. No. You're a lot of things. But I also think that it's important for people to ask questions and get close enough. Like the whole point of the podcast is to get, listen to people enough so that they can learn that like, you know, you do want to be asked about, you know, be honest about your physical abilities and you just want to be like anybody else, treated like anybody else. Right. Yes. Right. Especially like I don't know, this is a little different, but like even with like parenting, like yeah. I think sometimes when I'm alone with my son, people are surprised when like he calls me mommy. He's he's three. He calls me mommy. I sometimes get like weird looks, like you're his mom. Like that goes back to like yeah. the don't assume. Yes, I have my own like biological three-year-old child. Like why yeah. why would you assume that I didn't or couldn't or that I'm not his mom? Yeah. You know so. So the assumption kind of can go that way too, and honestly, I see that I see it more with my son and how people react to me when I'm alone with my son, and I see it anywhere else. Yeah. So just as te yes. like if you got teachers listening or medical professionals or doctors or whatever, like as a you know yeah when you're interacting with like a like a pediatrician like don't assume that that's not the parent or that that parent is incapable just because they have a disability. Yes. If you're there with your husband, do they talk to him rather than you? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I can and see I'll, that and I'll coming. Say, I'll say, excuse me, could you direct that question to me also, please? Yeah. You know, I'll be polite about it, but I like, yeah. let him know, like, okay, because I'm the mom also. Right. right. So it's, yeah. a, it's a two-person partnership if my husband is there. Yeah. And, you know. So, or you feel like they have a concern, like I wonder if she can handle whatever. Whatever, yeah, and and like yeah, I definitely can. And like that being said, like I said, if if there's something that I can't handle, I will certainly ask for help. And I'm yep. fortunate enough to have a strong support system. Yeah. But don't make that don't make that assumption. And yes. especially I see that more in doctors' office doctors' offices and medical 
yeah. professionals especially. So. Yeah. Isn't that ironic? Right. Yes. It is not surprising. Because but you know the disability is medical. So it's yes. Like, hmm, that's that's mm-hmm. a little bit of irony for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's a super good point. And thank you for bringing that up because I can see how the parenting thing would put it all kind of under a big microscope. Mm-hmm. Um, or you could feel like you're under a microscope yeah. with regard to that yes. when you're out and about. Um, so there are a few questions that I asked everybody at the end. So we're going to run through those. Alrighty. So we have sort of touched on this one, um, but if there's anything that we missed. So one of my questions is always if somebody saw you across a room or if they looked at just like a list of your roles and titles, like therapist, mom, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Um, what are they missing? And you mentioned a few things like you like to skydive and white water raft and do all those things. Anything else that like people might be missing, surprised about? Um, I really, they probably, they might not see, they might see the trees of hope in there and, and not realize I'm really passionate about empowering, um, empowering others, but especially empowering women. And yeah. I'm really passionate about like, um, kind of like a no shame culture and that we should like, how can we support each other? Like, like community over competition. And yeah. Not, not like you know even in in businesses women-owned businesses or you know or, or like anything like how can we create a culture of empowerment that's something that i'm really passionate about yeah just in my friendships and my working relationships in all that i'm doing yeah so. i love that yes people would not necessarily assume but right. that's awesome um talk about Ways that if people are desiring more connection, because I hear this all the time, that people are like, I'm an adult now and I work in the same place for 15 years and I can't meet friends and I don't know how to make connection or genuine connection in my life. How do you think people could go about doing that if they were looking for that? I think we live in a culture that makes that really hard because mm-hmm. you think of, you think it's like the opposite of what it actually is. Like Facebook is supposed to make it easy to yeah. connect, but one of my little pet peeves is Facebook just makes it easier to put up a front and act like your life is perfect and not connect over the real, real things, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I think one of the things that that I value is just having like even if you have, you know, we're all busy. We're we're you know, everyone's busy, but even having like a once a month thing where you find a group of people that you you feel like you can be real with and just getting together with them like once a month and say and sharing your life. Mm-hmm. Whatever that looks like for you. Maybe it's maybe it's a Bible study, maybe it's a book club, maybe it's a wine club. I'm a big fan of wine clubs. Sure, yeah. Right? You can have a book under your arm if that makes you feel better. <laughs> but let's be real, it's wine club. Yeah, let's call it what it is. Right. I like that. <laughs> so There's no pressure in a wine no club. No pressure in a wine club and just have like pick you know, a few people that you really are like, I resonate with this person. I want them in my life. I want them to be in my circle. And like, then be set an intentional time and just say, come over and let's talk about real life, not yeah. what we post on Facebook. Yeah. Um, because you have to be intentional about creating that community because you're not going to get that community just by, by like going to work or going, like just having your tunnel vision of your busyness. You have to be intentional about creating it. Yep, it just doesn't happen like it does in your late teens, yeah. early twenties. I mean, right. you're constantly meeting new people in those and ages. At, at first, yeah. you might be a little like if you're not super social, like my I am, that might be kind of like intimidating for you. Well, so you say like you start the first one. You you invite people over. You you start the first one, and then you get like interest, and people are like, I like wine club. Let's do this again, and then rotate people's houses. Yep. So you don't always have to clean your house because who wants to do that? No. And I would say don't clean your house because yes. that's more authentic and real. That's the rules of wine club. Don't no, clean the house. Don't clean the house. Yes. 
I like that. <laughs> um, next question. What are either some places or some types of people that make you feel totally seen for who you are? So I would imagine in some places you have to be like, I'm actually more than my crutches, like hello. Yes. Um, or, uh, you know, depending on what type of space you're in, you might have to kind of fight to be actually seen. Mm-hmm. Um, what spaces make you feel that way? Make you feel like you're heard and seen? Um, you know, I've had like um, Christianity as a part of my life for a long time. So I feel like for the most part, um, if I'm in like a small group Bible study with people I've built friendships with, and that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying, that's intentional. Or like I'm a part of some mom group communities where we're in it, you know, um, I actually lead one of them, Mother Hat, um, meets uh-huh. at um, Frontline Community Church on Thursday mornings in the fall, where I feel like that's like genuine community. But you have to, again, that takes work to cultivate that. That just doesn't happen by like, coming into it but I hope that as being one of the leaders that it, it resonates that way with people so mostly like for me where I feel really seen is like in my church communities and yeah that support system but you know just if you have if you have no religious affiliation like I said that doesn't mean you can't create that community because genuine community can be found anywhere if people are willing to be genuine and, and take off the facade that they wear for everybody else yeah it has to be an intentional and I feel like you do this a lot. You go first. So you'll say hi first, you'll connect first, you'll reach out first. Right. And I know that's kind of you just because you're outgoing and mm-hmm. bubbly. But um, sometimes even I'm fairly introverted, but I still feel like I have to do that in safe ways. And then yes. people will meet you. Yes. They're looking for because, people to because, reach out. Exactly, because you don't realize it, but there are so many people like starving for that real yes. genuine connection and community that... We, we have it so easy to hide behind that we don't have to cultivate it right anymore. Really, we, we can just stare at our phones or go on Instagram and create the the, the picture that we want everyone to see. Yep. So people don't have to see the real if they don't want to. So yep. like, and like, yeah, it can be scary when you go first and say, but this is what I want. But like, it's a, it's a risk worth taking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the rewards of having like, even a few genuine people that you feel like see you for who you are, and you can share your life with is really valuable. Absolutely. To me. Yes. Absolutely. Love it. Last question. Favorite things. I think this is selfish on my part. I just like to hear what people light people up. What are you <laughs> loving? It can be super serious and major, or it can be nothing little, you know, spitzy thing that makes you happy. Oh, so many, so many things. My three-year-old. I well, knew you were going to say that. I feel like it was cheating, but whatever. Is, I'm kidding. He doesn't get And then... He's like, pretty cute. Yeah. I love caramel marbles from Big V. Like, if I don't have a Big V in my hand... Oh, that's right. Then, like, you think my hand is missing. Like, they... When I pull... <laughs> when I when, when the car pulls up, they're like, Hey, Aaron, How you doing? The usual today? Mm-hmm. Like, it's kind You're of one a, of those. I'm one of those. It's kind of a problem. Yep. But I admit a problem, and, you know, it's, it's, it's my happy place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I... Just some some goofy things. I love I love adventure. So I love new fun things and exploring new places and going to places. My husband and I are going to Europe in August and we're super excited really? about that. Second honeymoon, so we'll have to do some like serious posting on how accessible uh, London, Italy and Belgium and France is yeah. because 
Americans with Disabilities Act, if you didn't know, is an American thing. It doesn't carry over to the EU. So yes, yeah, it'll, it'll be fun to follow my stuff on Facebook, and I'll be posting about that adventure because I'm always looking for a next adventure. Yes, very so, cool. Yeah. I love it. Well, I can't wait to hear about your trip. Yeah, my gosh, mm-hmm. um, I will do my best to hurry up and get this up because you have all sorts of cool stuff coming up. Um, thank you so much for offering to do this, coming on the podcast. I think people will learn a ton and be really excited to follow along with everything that you're doing. Yeah, I would love that. And I mean, even just like, I'm a really easy approachable person. So like, if you even just want to message me on Facebook, like you have a question about anything I talked about today, or Mm -hmm. please just reach out to me. I'm pretty easy going. Love it. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks for having me. glad I was able to chat with Erin. I have a lot of takeaways from her words, but one of my favorite things was when she said that you can't tell your kids you love them enough. Even when they shrug it off or roll their eyes or say, mom, I might hear that daily, maybe. Just keep saying the words. They hear us. They feel it in their bones. I am certain they do. And she pairs the love with boundaries, which as a social worker might be one of my favorite things. Love and boundaries, people. That is the magic. I also loved how she talked about connection. I mean, wine club? Brilliant. But beyond wine club, Erin is a master of connection. I think perhaps because she has always reached out beyond her cerebral palsy. She has gone first and reached out to people when they get hung up about her physical presentation because she has had to break the ice or maybe she's just wired for reaching out. But whatever it is, she reaches across boundaries and sees whoever she's with. I'm certain this is why she shines in her business with Trades of Hope, in her therapy practice, and in all of her other roles. I hope you learned a ton from Erin, and I hope you reach out to her. Refer your teens, your friends' teens, your neighbors who are teens to her. We all need therapy, but teens and parents of teens, oh, brilliant. Get them in therapy. Set up a Trades of Hope event. You're going to love it. Your friends are going to love it. You're going to get cute stuff and learn a ton. Everyone's going to win. And attend the Derek's Place event coming up this weekend. You'll be taking the middle seat, and I know you'll find adventure and authenticity and magic right there.